0: So as we're talking about the Peace Act situation and the strike and we talk about the wage demands that were made and, and all the rest of these sorts of things, one thing that I always hear from you in the audience, and it's a fair point, is listen, the benefits and the pension that come with being a public sector worker are something that I simply don't get in the private sector. And that needs to be part of the calculation, part of the consideration. So a couple of ways to look at that. First of all, how good is it? Like, How much of a difference is there when it comes to the pension that you know, we see the PSAC workers get and other workers in different federal unions and provincial unions and all the rest um, versus what we typically see in the private sector. And why does it seem to stay confined largely to the public sector? And could we possibly do something different in that regard? So, we're going to speak with somebody who knows more about this um, than. I don't know if anybody, but right up there, I got to think. We're going to speak with Keith Ambekshire, who is uh, Director Emeritus of the International Center for Pension Management. He's a Senior Fellow of the National Institute on Aging, an Executive in Residence at the Rotman School of Management, and co-founder of CEM Benchmarking and KPA Advisory Services. He recently put a policy paper on this very topic out and uh, wrote a column that appeared in the Globe and Mail, and he's joining us now to talk us through it all. Keith, thank you for your time. I appreciate you being here.
1: Shane, my pleasure.
0: Let's start with, first of all, because we always hear, hey, that that pension plan that they get, I mean, come on, let's think about that. Nobody else can get that. How good is the public sector pension plan? Is it really as good as everybody thinks it is?
1: Well, of course, you have to distinguish between the Canada pension plan, which everybody who works uh, has access to, and employment-based plans. So this would be, for example, for the local authorities, people in Alberta, uh, their plan. And there are many plans like that around. Canada has about uh, 4 million uh, public servants, people working in the public sector. So it's the pension plans that cover those 4 million people that are very good plans. Uh, They're well-funded. They're well-managed. They have a global reputation for doing things very well. Their investment programs are uh, sort of leading in. Uh, getting into the right kind of investments. Uh, so that's on the one hand. And then on the other hand, we have uh, 16 million workers in Canada in the private sector uh, who have a wide variety of opportunities or non-opportunities to save for retirement.
0: And is it, it's not universal, right? Like there are some private sector pension plans. I think the one that I have right now is pretty damn good. Um, there are some private sector plans Absolutely. that stack up pretty well, right?
1: Yep, yep. Uh, typically, it's the larger employers, private sector employers in Canada, uh, that used to provide defined benefit plans. You know, where basically the plan uh, you retire and you get paid for life. But increasingly, those are being shut down uh, by private sector employees because of the risk underwriting part, and replacing them with defined contribution plans, which means you do get end up with a pot of retirement savings. But once you leave the company, you're basically on your own. You know, you get your RIF and you have to manage it yourself or get an advisor. It's much more complicated for private sector workers to get what public sector workers have.
0: And like you say, the reasoning then is because the company doesn't have to worry about all of a sudden things change and that defined income that they've promised you um, suddenly ends up costing them a lot more and they're not making as much. It's sort of like, okay, we're done. Our hands are washed. Here's the money that we've accrued. Away you go.
1: That's right. That you know, is becoming the the, the norm. Uh, where that did not used to be the case. Uh, you know, we've had in history a, a few sort of private sector blow-ups. You have to go back to Nortel in 2000, uh, you know, where you had significant problems with the pension plan. Uh, but increasingly, our employers are saying, you know, we're not in the pension business. We're in, you know, whatever mm-hmm. we do, in your case, the broadcast business. Uh, and we're going to focus on that, uh, you know, so we'll, we'll, we'll help people save for retirement, but – Basically, you're on your own. And of course, you know, once you get down the scale in terms of smaller size employers, we have 3 million people, workers in Canada, that are self-employed, right? Right, yeah. They don't, they don't have anything.
0: That's it, except yeah. Except
1: what they make up themselves.
0: Okay, so if we wanted to take this model that, like you say, is world standard, I mean, it's admired around the world uh, yeah. as a really effective um, pension plan with our public sector workers, and apply that to the private sector, what, what what's the gap? Like, what's the difference? What would we need to do to make them comparable?
1: Right. Uh, So the model that's become sort of world famous, it has a number of characteristics. One is that, you know, it's arm's length, purely managed for the benefit of, you know, the risk bearers of of the plan. So there's nobody else sort of getting their fingers into the thing. So that's an important dimension. Another important dimension is good governance, so that you've got a pension board that really knows what they're doing, Another factor is scale. Scale is tremendously important because if you're small, you you can't do that much. But if you're large, you can actually significantly get involved, as the Canadian funds have done, in uh, sort of leading investment programs, infrastructure, real estate, uh, doing it globally. And that generates pretty steady long-term returns that are a key factor in making pensions affordable.
0: Okay. All right. Um, and why doesn't that happen? Is it cost? I mean, is that what we're coming down to? Like, if you're a, if you're a private sector company, uh, it, is it the cost that's prohibitive? Well, so, so the,
1: to me, the, the way that I think of the problem in the private sector is you don't have, uh, you know, a unionized workforce where your union really thinks about how to create uh, that lifetime pension. Uh, you have much more diversity on the private side. So the question is, you know, what are the organizing mechanisms that we could use to create these features, you know, the Canada pension model? And in my paper, I described three. Mm-hmm. Uh, one is to actually get some of the public sector plans thinking about offering their infrastructure to the private sector. Uh, there's now a, a public sector pension plan in Ontario that's beginning to do that. So that's one possible way. Okay,
0: hang on. Help me understand. Is that So a private sector firm could opt in and become a, a, a co-contributor or a partner in that pension? Well,
1: what, what, this is the, the, the College of Applied Arts and Technology in Ontario, CAT for short. Uh, they ha- are offering a pension plan to private sector workers uh, that would be based on simply them managing the money and doing it in a way that the employers the, the employers that come into it don't have any underwriting risk. Okay. So so that's one way. Uh, another way it could be for, for the province to do something. And in fact in my paper I talk about Alberta because you're having this debate about you know whether you should close down the CPP and be, and, and develop yep. an Alberta yep. pension plan, which is not a good idea by the way. Uh, A much better idea would be that if if the province wanted to provide incremental pensions over and above OAS and CPP is to create an Alberta Supplementary Pension Plan. So that would be another way of doing it.
0: So you'd have CPP and then you'd create a secondary one.
1: Yeah, one that's in addition to what already exists.
0: Gotcha. Okay, fair enough. Okay, what's and, the other one?
1: And I, I would like to see that show up in the uh, you know in the election campaign that <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> so you're, you're having in the province as as something that a government should consider doing.
0: Okay, interesting. I mean, but like you're talking about, and I think maybe this is the key. We got to start thinking about doing things differently, right? There has to be um, a pretty substantial shift to make all of this happen.
1: Y- some organizational structures yeah. and you know, leadership that thinks about how can we you know bring these features that you know public sector workers benefit from to the private sector. And you know what my paper says, we can do this, but it, it, it's not gonna just happen magically. It's gonna actually we have to sort of put our heads together and and decide, you know, what are the mechanisms that would actually make this happen. I'm char- I'm challenging the private, you know the financial sector in Canada. To think about doing this, you know, right now, I mean, you know, they do mutual funds, they do a lot of things, but the idea of creating, you know, a a uh, a Sun Life, for example, uh, you know, Canada model pension plan is something I'm encouraging them to think about
0: doesn't it ultimately come down to and I don't know how we get around this it's 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 the matching contribution that's what it comes down to if you want to talk about how good a pension plan is when i talk to people about how good a pension plan it is it's always well i put in this much and my employer puts in this much or this much times two yep. right
1: yeah yeah so rule of thumb you know in addition to what's already coming from OAS and CPP 10 to 15% contribution rate okay does the job and then, you know, if you split that 50-50, then it becomes, you know, five and five yeah. or seven and a half, seven and a half. But those are the sort of order of magnitude contribution rates that you need in order to create that supplementary pension that gets you, you know, a good pension for life.
0: Which is a big ask for a private sector company, especially some of the smaller ones.
1: Well, you know, think again in terms of already there's already a total compensation that they're paying
0: out. Exactly
1: and uh maybe it needs to be readjusted a little bit yep. where you know instead of saying to the employee okay you know we're, we're paying you pick a number fifty thousand dollars a year how about thinking about putting some of that money into one of these plans that we're describing here yep. rather than all of it going to you
0: that's what it comes down to yeah and that's
1: what it comes down to the uh the, the, in the uk they've gone one step further and are actually now requiring employers that don't already offer a workplace pension plan to uh, put up some money and put some money into a plan that the employee would then match. So that's sort of another interesting question of, you know, how much (laughs) coercion or or push should come from the government to actually create these mechanisms. But these are the kind of things we should be discussing.
0: Absolutely. It's an interesting conversation. Keith, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate your time.
1: Uh, My pleasure.